Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May the, may the grace of God be with us now and forever, amen. <clears throat> Bless second Sunday <clears throat> of the Great Lent, and today is the Temptation Sunday, and our Lord Jesus Christ is victorious over Satan in the place where mankind has failed. In the same wilderness, the children of Israel had wandered for 40 years, lost because of their sin, and many of them did not see the promised land save Joshua and Caleb. But our Lord Jesus Christ, entering the wilderness today, after being baptized and washing and sanctifying mankind, and truly being the Christ, he who is anointed by the Holy Spirit, has gone into the wilderness to establish the kingdom of God by first uprooting the devil. And we will see as we get to the end of our Lenten journey and through the Pascha, our Lord's Passover, where we ourselves will pass over from death into life, we shall witness our Lord Jesus Christ trample the devil and defeat death upon the cross through his own death. So although Peter writes in his epistle that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the devil is a very silly lion because he is a lion that has no teeth. He is a lion that cannot injure us. It is only ourselves that can cause damage to our own selves. And yet the devil still has some kind of activity. And the church would label this the demonic warfare, and that's what I want to speak about today, and I would like us to contemplate on the activity of the devil, his diabolical warfare. And the first thing I suppose that we need to understand is the devil is a master psychologist. Can the devil read your thoughts? No, but he guess, I guess he doesn't need to, because perceiving mankind, humanity, since our beginning, for so many centuries, he understands how we act and how we respond. He understands when there's a thought that disturbs us or there's a thing that causes us to be shaken. So the devil, in many ways, will essentially see, what can I do to cause this person to fall? And we have to wonder, what, what is the devil's motivation? Why would he want our race, humanity, to fall? Simply, the devil is a very prideful spirit. He is a prideful spirit indeed, because it was through pride that he desired to have a throne above God's throne, and he was sent down like lightning, cast out of heaven to the earth. The devil will be thrown into the lake of fire, but he doesn't want to go alone. He's jealous because look at us, created in the image and the likeness of God. We are partakers of the divine nature. We are called to a chosen priesthood. That is awesome. The devil does not like that. So then what he wants to do is to bring us all down with him. And this almost causes a cosmological warfare, because on the one hand, you have God, who is all good, who does all things for the sake of our salvation, 
And then you have the devil who works because he wants us all to fall along with him. So what are his tactics? We would notice that in his temptations, the devil never tells us to do the thing he wants us to do. The devil will not outright say, disobey your parents or be disrespectful or use bad language. Although he may, but he's going to work to it. He's going to use the smallest suggestions in order to make us fall. So maybe he won't tell me not to listen to my parents, but maybe he'll say, you know what? You should keep playing your game. You should keep doing the thing you're doing, and that's fine. And it's a small suggestion. It's a suggestion we like. It's almost like the devil is telling us the thing that we want to hear. It's almost as if the devil is feeding into our own ego. This will also happen in our marriages. The devil will never tell us to be disrespectful to our spouse or to hate our spouse or abuse our spouse. But the devil might put a very simple concept into our hearts. You deserve more. You deserve better. You deserve to be treated in a certain way. And from those very small thoughts of entitlement, suddenly we begin to act in an awful, terrible way. All the devil needs to do is sow a couple seeds and suddenly the rest will happen because our ego has not yet been crucified in the Lord. The devil will also use half-truths. So the devil will take the truth, but then add something to it and mix it up. And sometimes, like we saw today, the devil used scripture against our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord, of course, he is the word of God. He knows the scripture. He is the lawgiver. He understands, so he's able to interpret such accurately. And that must mean we are very thankful for the church because the church gives us accurate teaching and accurate doctrine to understand the scripture in such way that the devil can't pervert it and use it against us. And yet so many of the heresies and misunderstandings and problems, even when it comes to morality and virtue, it is distorted simply because we don't recall the scripture correctly or we don't have a proper understanding of what the church teaches regarding the holy scripture. So through entitlement, through feeding the ego, the devil therefore causes us to fall into the same affliction that he fell into, the pride that causes us to think so highly and sends us so low. But see, this is the thing with the devil's attacks, and it's very dastardly, but he attacks from two different angles at once. So for example, he'll tell us, you are such a great person. You are so smart. You don't need to listen to anyone. This, this, this person, they're a fool. Don't take their advice. They're jealous of you and they want to see you fail. Goodness, that happened to one of the monks and we spoke about this before. A monk who did nothing but pray and the devil appeared to him as the Lord Jesus Christ and told him, your prayers are so good. Keep praying. You don't need to read the Bible. Just keep praying. And he kept praying, kept praying. And when he saw the other monks going and listening to John the Short and Makarios and the other Abbas, he was filled with pride. He told them, what are you doing listening to these teachers? 
These are heretics. You should listen to me. He became so confused, so lost because of pride that he was calling the holiest saints heretics. And eventually they needed to shackle him and they needed to essentially help him out to bring him back to his mind. So the devil does that. He says, oh, you are so great. But then at the same time, he will be like, you are the worst sinner. You are a terrible person. Oh, look at everyone else. They're so much greater than you. And suddenly he begins to sow thoughts of depression and sadness, the sinful kind. I guess we would call this despondency, but a sinful kind of sadness. Or even covetousness. Look at this person's thing. It's so great. Don't you want that thing? And then he'll tell you, you should go get this thing because that thing will make you great. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. The devil will constantly attack us. So we're never content. And the devil will also use those around us. If I'm not reading my scripture or understanding the words of God, how will I have a standard by which to select and choose friends? There was a certain monk, and his, his father, and, and the monk, his, his monastic father, would make baskets. And this monk would go, and he would go, and he would sell the baskets at the marketplace. He saw a very pretty girl, and his thoughts are all over the place. What do I do about this pretty girl? She's so lovely. Oh, I don't know. I'm called to a life celibacy. I made these vows. I don't know what to do. If I go tell my father, he's going to stop making the baskets. I don't know what to do. So he doesn't go to his father, but he goes to another holy monk. It's, it's fine. He went to a spiritual guide. He confessed his thoughts to him. And the guide told him, when this thing happens, you need to pray to God to deliver you. And he taught him a prayer for the Lord to deliver him. Cry out to God that he may save you from your temptation. So he goes back to the marketplace with a newfound confidence. And when he sees the pretty girl, he's, you know, he, he begins to pray. Maybe he, he quotes the psalm, says, Lord, uh, may you turn away my eyes from vanity. And he, he asks God, please deliver me from this. And with so much prayer and so much motivation, He's no longer tempted by her. So the devil gives up, right? No, he doesn't give up. The devil will now, because it's warfare, like, like Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 6, it, it's, it's a demonic warfare. So he switches the tactic, and now he attacks the woman. So now the woman goes up to the monk, and I, I don't know if the monk, he dropped his guard or he got confidence, but she goes and she says, I want to buy all your inventory. He's like, wow, okay but I need you to deliver it. So inventory and delivery. Okay, makes sense. So he goes and he carries the basket and he takes it over to the woman's house. And when, you know, can you go place it over there? Yeah, okay, no problem. Puts it down. And as he's putting it down, she locks the door and throws herself upon the monk. And the monk is completely surprised and doesn't know what to do. And he begins praying to God, Lord, deliver me. And he doesn't know. What to... And then suddenly, in the middle of his prayer, he finds himself somehow on the path to the monastery. There is demonic warfare and it is very violent. And if the devil can't convince us to fall, he will try to convince those around us. But there, there's something very important here. Two things, I guess. The monk got guidance and the monk had hope. So what is the guidance? I, I mean, I think the same demons will attack us. There are those of us who struggle with lust. 
those who struggle with different addictions like gambling or alcohol or drugs. Some of us suffer because of the music we listen to and we begin to repeat the lyrics and it, it, it causes us to bring our mind down. Uh, we suffer with sadness or other sins and, and because we have the same warfare against us, we then need to go to our spiritual guide and can ask for his advice. How can I defeat this warfare? And he can give us so many words and wisdom. Abba Moses, he was struggling with the same thing. Abba Moses tried to spend his night in prayer, but he could not. He kept being disturbed by evil thoughts. So he goes finally to his spiritual father, Abba Isidore, and is like, Father, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to pray, but I have evil thoughts. This is a monk we're talking about. A monk is struggling with the evil thoughts, and he has to walk over to his father's cell and talk to him. And the father says, Abba Moses, I'm very happy that you came to speak to me. In fact, I encourage you, the rest of the night, every time you are struggling in your prayer, because I know you're trying to spend the night in prayer, come back to my cell and let's talk. Abba Moses did take him up on his offer. He came that night 11 times, 11 different times throughout the night coming to his father. Why? Because Abba Moses decided tonight, I will engage in the warfare against the devil and I will do this through the help of my Abba. And remember that. We saw the Lord here go into the, the wilderness. When we engage in this warfare, so you might have noticed this in the beginning of the fast. When we started to fast, the devil suddenly also becomes engaged in the warfare. For example, like what Abba Shenouda wrote, when the bells at the monastery ring because it is the time of prayer, yes, it wakes up the monks, but it also wakes up the devils. Now, our Lord gave us a template to fight the devils. He gave us the Holy Scripture. And what is, I guess, the utility of the Holy Scripture when fighting the devil? The devil is the antithesis and the enemy of truth. And look in society today. He hates truth. He hates that you can define a man and a woman and can distinguish the two. He hates that we can identify life and hold life as sacred. He will distort the truth through half-truths, like we said, but he'll also distort virtue. The devil loves compassion, believe it or not. The devil loves different feelings of goodness when he can twist them to become selfishness. He likes the idea of caring for another person when caring for another person would bolster ourselves. And we think that's contradictory. What does that mean? That's not care at all. You're right, that's not care. It's kind of like when the Lord says to go to the brother looking for the speck in his eye when we have a plank in our own eye. You should be concerned for everyone else. Look at these people. You ought to do X, Y, Z. And we become so concerned and we, become, we suddenly become extreme and suddenly we fall into judgment. Suddenly we fall into looking at everyone else and we no longer look towards ourselves. The devil loves this. I guess I'll share one more thought and we'll conclude. I want to share one more thought. 
once we were at the monastery and one of the, um, one of the youth, he, I guess he wanted to form his own prayers. And I guess he heard you're supposed to pray with the Psalms. So he asked the spiritual father, one of the monks there, you know, Father, I don't like to pray with the Psalms. I want to pray my own prayers. Well, why don't you like to pray with the Psalms? Well, I don't understand the words in the Psalms. I want my own prayer. I want my own expression. And the monk said, sure. Maybe you do not understand the prayer of the Psalm. But the devil does. And the Psalms put fear into the hearts of the devils, and they are scattered. I encourage you as you pray the Psalms and as you read the Bible, find different verses, one-liners if you would. If I'm struggling with lust and I look at Psalm 118 and I read and it says, turn away my eyes that I might not behold vanity. Oh, this is a good prayer. I'll underline it. And I'll memorize it. And when I go to pray throughout my day, I'm going to recite that prayer. Or maybe I feel despondency towards mercy. And I read in the other Psalms and I see, Oh Lord, do not remember my iniquity, but according to your mercy, remember me and have compassion upon me. Oh, these are good prayers. So when the devil comes to me to engage in warfare, I have tools by which... I may fight against him. To our Lord Jesus Christ belongs all glory and honor with his good Father and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God forever. Amen.